As we prepare to hear God's word, let's first pray for illumination, that God would open our hearts and minds. Lord our God, Christ, you are the light of the world, in whom there is no darkness at all, and you chase away the darkness that is within us and around us. You are the lamp to our lives, and I pray that your light would shine brightly as we enter into your word, so that we might see you as well as hear you speaking to us. And in hearing, may we learn how to love and follow you and love each other and this world more deeply and profoundly. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's Old Testament reading is from Genesis chapter, chapter 1, verses 26 through chapter 2, verse 3. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, see, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it because on it, God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. Word of the Lord. So I want to start off with a question, and, and you don't have to raise your hand, but maybe you can raise your hand in your heart or mentally, but uh, do you suffer from extreme exhaustion or, or, or burnout or the feeling like you need a vacation once you come back from your vacation? <laughs> I have, I've sensed this. I ask it because it's a feeling I've had. Well, I think, I think we're all in luck because over the next couple of weeks, what we're going to be doing is unpacking um, the word and, and, the, and the concept and the spiritual practice of Sabbath and Sabbath rest. The word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which means to end or cease or rest. And in this specific practice of, of setting aside um, a 
period of time, whether a day in the week or weeks in the year, um, we believe as we enter this, we can, we can really learn a lot about ourselves and about God and what we're created for. But as, as we enter this, I'm wondering what the word Sabbath brings up for you. Because for me, it brings up going to, going to church on Sunday mornings and then hopping in the car and going to grandma and grandpa's in the evening for dinner. Um, but I imagine for some of you, when I say the word Sabbath or Sabbath day, it feels like a straight jacket just came on. <laughs> because for you, the experience was putting on really uncomfortable clothes, piling into a pew at Sunday morning, going home and sitting with aunts and uncles where you'd not only have dinner or lunch, but be prohibited from playing outside and instead visit those same aunts and uncles for extremely lengthy amounts of periods of time before making your way back to church for another hour and a half long service. And that's like the whole day. And so this word Sabbath can make you uncomfortable. Or maybe it doesn't mean much at all. But either way, I hope and I think we can learn a lot. So let's dive in. And as we dive in, we're diving into the Old Testament, as Walt just read a passage from Genesis, which comes the very beginning of the story of Scripture. And as we explore this, the thing that I want to focus on is how Sabbath is God's invitation to rest from production and freedom from consumption. So rest from production and freedom from consumption. But again, I want to ask another question. What is the first day of the week? Sunday. But how many of us would say Monday? Right? Because you're right, my, my mom taught me growing up that Sunday was the first day of the week, and that's why calendars typically, you know, fall on that day, and that largely is because of uh, well, a lot of history back there, and I won't go into that. But anyway, Monday. Monday culturally, in a lot of ways, feels like the very beginning of the week. And we're shaped by this culture, and we're shaped by these rhythms. And it's ingrained from a very early age with school. Sunday being that last day that people can complete some, some work and prep for Monday. <laughs> and there's that. There's the horn. But either way, so, so for me, Monday was always kind of frantic and busy. It began with finishing up the homework I didn't get done on Sunday night. And I'd look ahead to maybe what, what work was going to come down the road or what tests or projects were going to pop up to really sabotage me that week. Not to mention the football practices, wrestling practices, or choir concerts that would fill up the evenings. And I have to admit that, that so much of that has translated into my experience in the workforce. Most weeks feel like there's a sense of I have to catch up before the roller coaster of the next week pulls me down the hill. Anybody kind of resonating with this? And maybe some of you parents are like experiencing a little PTSD as you're like reflecting on my experience of being a kid and you're thinking about your own and having to parent that. Either way, it's all, we all experience it. Imagine for most of us, the week begins on Monday. 
with work, with motion, with a flurry of activity, and a sense that your limited storehouse of energy is already depleted and running dry. The thought crosses your mind, I'm going to hold on and hope that I make it to the weekend. And the unwritten narrative about this, about the week and what it tells us, is that you're created to work and to produce and to move and expend energy and to be measured first by your actions. And the reciprocal reaction is not just what you can produce, but what you can then consume, either by playing or what have you. How many times have we said to ourselves, rest? I can't rest. I'm too busy for rest. But, but did you catch what happened in the story that Walt read this morning? A narrative in scripture telling us who we are as human beings created with God and for God, for each other and for life in this world. The story, at the very beginning, like I said, opens with God hovering on the water. I'm recapping here. Hovering on the water. God is. God is present. God is waiting, full of potential energy here. And then a flurry of activity after that. Sun, stars, and moon, dry land and skies above, mountains, oceans, trees, birds, fish, animals, and everything was good. God delighted in everything, saying it was good. And then, and then came humans. Let us make humankind in our image, and they can be caretakers with me of everything, God said. So God created us, called us good, a beautiful delight to God's own heart. But before the turbulent tango of the week and the work that could happen, like some Monday morning kind of flurry, God stopped. God ceased. God rested. Everything was complete and good and abundant and as it could and should be. So God took a whole day to stop and rest and enjoy the splendor of just what was. Resting and enjoying creation in creation with creation. God names it holy, meaning set apart from everything else. Set apart from every other day, just like God is holy and set apart. So this one day is like God in that. It was a day with no activity. And so the first day of the week for humans, according to scripture, is a Sabbath day. Rest, no activity, just being. And it's not just good, but holy, like God. Meaning when we stop and we cease and we rest, we come close to God. In my mind, that first Sabbath day was a delightful day, and I see God sitting side by side as first humans pulled up on this new emerald carpet of grass, looking up into the wonderful sky and seeing the birds stretch their wings. I imagine God pointing to the mountains and saying, aren't those beautiful? I'll take you there someday. God calling deer and all critters close and near, just to be. And I imagine that first day was a day of joy and delight. 
kind of a vision of that Sabbath day, that first day with humans and God. The vision of Scripture tells us that Sabbath is a thing that truly brings us back and reminds us who we are. And the narrative of Sabbath tells us we are created for this connection with God. We're created just to find ourselves just where we are right here and now. And that's a good thing, a holy thing. And not only that, but there can be some delight in stopping and not only looking within ourselves, but around us at the beauty of creation. So when we begin with ceasing and stillness, when we stop long enough to delight in God and each other and creation, I think, I think it has power for, for how it transforms us as we enter a week. Now, I imagine some of us live for the weekend, like it's some buoy we grasp onto until the current of the next week sweeps us away. But can you imagine entering your week from a place of connection to God or to yourself or to creation? Can you imagine stepping into the week with rest, not only your body, but a quiet in your mind, a steady in your heart, and a revived soul? And I think this vision helps us to enter a week with a heart full of love for our work or activities, or people, or creation. And it helps us to be grateful at the end of the week as well. That is a vision. And yet, we've gotten away from that vision somehow. Like I said, we're created, we believe that we're created for motion and production. And life feels like this endless cycle. And it leaves us tired in body and mind in every way. And that's why Pastor Stacy and I decided to kind of enter this, enter this reflection on, on Sabbath, because it's something we all wrestle and struggle with. And so when we decided to do these three weeks on Sabbath, I started doing some research about books I could start reading so that I could learn. And I came across this book called Wrestling with Rest. And it's by this guy named Nathan Stuckey. It's a book with a focus on stories about youth and what they're experiencing with um, overscheduling, as we name it and call it, and how they're doing. And the book has broader reflections for people of all ages. The book suggests the real problem that leads to exhaustion and burnout and need a vacation from a vacation actually comes from our love to appear busy. Stuckey, the guy that writes this, Nathan Stuckey, writes this. The sum of research suggests that the real opponent to rest in contemporary culture isn't merely busyness, but our love of busyness. We stay busy because we want to. Busyness has become a socially constructed good and a value that symbolizes the privileged class. If we or our young people feel busy, the research suggests the problem of feeling busy appears to stem less from structured time and more so from unstructured time and the cultural louding of business. And so the research seems to indicate not so much a lack of time, but a loss of our ability to track time. We're too busy trying to be busy. We lose time. It slips away, and we're unsure of where it goes or why we feel so frazzled. And perhaps the devices in our pockets or in our hands or in front of our faces have something to do with it 
therefore hold a clue to it. Do we really love busyness? It's a good question, something I've been asking myself. And I think, I think that's a trend. And I think that we are really good at it. And one of the reasons why we're really good at it is because it's easier than ever to be busy. Stucky adds, people consume entertainment and cheeseburgers, organized sports, unorganized sports, ballet, drama, social media, YouTube. And as this happens, our identities and who we know ourselves to be continue to take shape. And so boredom and stillness and moments not spending consuming, not spent consuming, are so foreign to who we are. Is it any wonder then that with a few spare moments before bed, we reach for a screen to consume a bit more? We're consumers because there's plenty to consume and plenty of ways to consume it. And after all, important people stay busy. So we produce and we consume and we're busy, 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 being busy. And I think he's on to something. And maybe if anything, if you don't think I'm right, it's at least something to reflect on in your own life. I've been reflecting on it because I love Google Maps <laughs> and it really helps me out. And I enjoy keeping track of friends on social media. And I love that Hannaford stays open on Sunday night just long enough for me to get that chili powder that I forgot to get an hour earlier as I'm making that thing on the stove. And I think those are all right things, but I feel this busyness to run back out and to check those devices, busyness to produce at work and consume when I'm not at work. And I feel the loss of those still, silent moments. The moments that create meaning and remind us who we are. One quick illustration of the power of stillness is said in, in the song, or the theme song for Jaws. Dun -dun, dun -dun, dun -dun, dun right? Imagine if it was just dun 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 like it wouldn't make sense, and it'd be stupid, and nobody would get it. Nobody would be afraid of a shark in the water. We all go in the water, and we all get eaten by sharks. But it's the stillness and the silence that creates the power and the meaning of that moment. As is such with Sabbath and rest and stillness and silence, where we can be grounded again and remember who we are. And so the good news that we see in Scripture is that there is a prescription that God provides, a gracious one that God's been providing from the, from the first humans to the Israelites to us here today in the 21st century, a way of reconnecting through the, the commands of Sabbath. And I want to just read for you, there is a passage, two passages, in, in later in the Old Testament, comes in the book of Exodus, where God, after leading the Israelites out of Egypt, <coughs> brings them to this mountain where God's going to reclaim them and say who they are and give them this new identity. And <clears throat> at this moment, God gives Sabbath commands, and it helps them to, to really deeply know that they are gods and who they are as they, as they continue to navigate the journey of the wilderness and life. And this, this, the Jewish tradition of Sabbath 
is a beautiful one that has been a specific practice for so many years. Um, for, the, for the Jewish people, their, their Sabbath begins on a Friday night, most often when three stars can be counted in the sky. And at that time, two candles are lit. The first is lit, as I've read, for this passage in Exodus. And the passage in Exodus says this. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or your female slave, your livestock or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. So it's familiar. It's from that passage that we read earlier from Genesis, that we are created for rest, and God ordained that at creation. So that's one candle that's lit on the Sabbath day. But the other, the other candle that's lit, two candles that are lit, the second is representative of the second Sabbath command that God gives in Deuteronomy 5. So Exodus comes at the beginning of Israel's wandering through the, through the wilderness. Deuteronomy comes near the very end, before they enter the promised land. And so Moses says this. And notice any differences. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male or female slave, your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock, or your resident alien in your towns, so that your male and your female slave may rest as well as you. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. The first candle, the first reading from Exodus is about you're created in God's image and so you rest. Deuteronomy 5, the second candle that is lit is a remembrance that the people were once slaves in Egypt and brought out by God and therefore are redeemed people set free. And so Sabbath in this way, is about resting and freedom. And that's why I want to say God invites us into Sabbath, and meaning in the moment right now, God invites us with Sabbath to rest from production and be free from consumption. It means a lot of things, but for right now, I want to focus on that and just end with that. And focusing on the first one, that God wants us to rest from production just so that we could be in the world and in our skin and with God. And rest has, for me, been something I've not done well. And you can ask a number of my people that I hang out with and spend time with. You can ask Amy after the service today <laughs> how well I do this. And I don't do it well. But I do have good friends who care for me enough to tell me to slow down and to stop and cease and be still. 
They call me to be still because they see something about me that God first saw, and which is the first thing that I forget, that I'm enough, just as I am, even if I just sit on the couch and do nothing for one day, even if my greatest accomplishment for that one day is cooking eggs and toast, and not even buttering the toast. <laughs> Savage. I often fear stopping to think, who am I if I don't better myself by learning another song on the guitar or reading or advancing my knowledge or helping somebody? Who am I a part of the, from these things? Well, God says, you are mine and you are enough. And this Friday, I tried that practice of just doing nothing because God said so and God said that it'd be good. And I pray and encourage you to perhaps find some time in the week to do this, to do nothing, to limit yourself, and enter a time when you maybe feel worthless. Because you know what? Perhaps it's good to see all the lies that you tell yourself. Because when we rest from the production and the output, perhaps then we can re-encounter God and learn the thing that God says and sees about us, that you are mine and you are made and you're beautiful right now just as you are. Rest and be. And resting from production can lead to something good, positive to God, a re-attention to God, and perhaps a re-attention to just walk outside and admire the flowers you rush past Monday through Friday. Get lost and see how beautiful the world is off the beaten path. Be unproductive and watch the beauty of the bees at their work. And so that first thing is an invitation from God to, be f to rest from production and be free to notice the goodness within and around you and the goodness of God. But lastly, the second thing, Sabbath is an invitation to be free from consumption and maybe to consider the needs of yourself and others. I told you a couple weeks ago that I deleted Facebook and I've noticed how impulsive I am to like go to my phone and like want to touch that app again. And it's an instinctive characteristic that I've been noticing since I deleted the app. And instead now I just go to news applications, which I'm considering deleting those too. Um, maybe that would really help. Um, but in reality, it just shows how I'm filling up my time with that busyness we spoke about earlier. And I need to set myself free from those things that keep me always consuming and wanting more, more shows and movies or media or foods or sweets or activities. To be free from the impulse to consume perhaps allows me, and perhaps if you take on this challenge, allows you to notice cravings that have gotten out of control. And perhaps we can begin to notice how our desire to consume impacts more than just us. Because the passage from Exodus and Deuteronomy mention that it's not just rest for us and the benefit of us, but servants and animals and the earth. There's an aspect of justice here that we need to deeply listen to in a consumeristic culture. Perhaps when we are free from the consumption, we can have space to step back and see how our consumption affects the lives of others. We begin to wonder and have compassion for the mom who works three jobs. Yeah, because it's available and she needs it, but at the same time, how an economy has shaped that and put her in a position to need those three jobs, which is unsustainable and not dignifying for who she is as a human being. 
or how some of our cultural practices prey on the most vulnerable, the resident alien, and the migrants, and the orphans, and the widows. When we see the ways our desires have dirtied oceans and depleted fisheries that were dirtying our common home. And so, in closing, we're good at being busy, but we're created for something else, for God and for rest and for freedom. And so, like the rest of stillness and silence that comes at the end of a note of a symphony, but before the applause, may you find in stillness and silence and Sabbath that meaning that God holds for you and for us. Let's pray. God, we pray thanksgiving for the gift of Sabbath that you give. Give us boldness and courage to find in some way and carve out the space to find rest that you intend for us. This week and always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.